0: Let me get to my subject. That pastor didn't put me on a time limit. I'm going to try my best to be brief, but when I start telling stories, it's hard for me to stop because I want to bless your faith. I want to develop your faith to believe that God's for you. He told me he'd been preaching on a giving series, and so I'm just going to follow the pattern, and I'm going to talk to you about kingdom investment. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, the Word of of God says, give and you will receive. I don't receive if I don't give. There are a lot of people going to the ocean looking for ships to come in that ain't sending any ships out. So if we sow, the principle is that we are going to reap. He goes on to say, Given it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, that's abundance, will be put into your lap, will be put into your lap. It means you don't go chasing it. How many of you know that in the kingdom of God, there are blessings that God has that you're not going to have to pursue? The key is in releasing. You know why people don't give? People don't give because they don't believe they serve a God big enough to replace what they turn loose of. But if I believe that God can replace what I have in my hand, I'm on my way to a kingdom principle of understanding different levels of receiving and blessing based in the area of money. He said he will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, Pastor taught you about tithing. Let me just give you a little brief synopsis of what I believe about what I know about tithing. And that is this. Tithing is God's guarantee that He will guard the 90% that remains. Now stewardship is required to God's blessing. If I will steward the 90%, I'll never miss the 10%. You've got to understand that because you're a tither doesn't mean you're a giver. Tithing is not giving. Tithing is showing honor to the God who owns it all. So to dishonor God, I don't tithe. It's an insult to God. I can do it without you. So tithing is God's guarantee that His blessing, it's the only time in the Bible that God ever puts us in the ability to say, He said, prove me, test me if I won't do it. For years I offered people their tithe back. If you'll tithe for three months, I will give you your money back, every penny of it, if God has not made a difference in your finances in three months. So I'm not going to preach a message your pastor has already preached. Second one is now I begin to give. Anything that is above my tithing, I suddenly become a giver. And I want to show you some benefits of this thing called alms. It's called giving to the poor. I see stuff back here that you've got that tells me that this church is not interested in just staying inside the walls of the church, but we care about people that are hurting outside the wall, and you've brought stuff to give to people over Thanksgiving. Let me tell you what God is going to do for you that you've probably never stopped to consider when it comes to alms. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, the Word says, God loves a cheerful giver. Have you ever seen people give that hated it? Have you ever given when you didn't want to? I have. I was forced into it. I didn't want to give, and I gave. I didn't get one thing from God for that because I didn't give it cheerfully. God wants what we release to be done, not by force, but because we love somebody else more than we love ourselves. That's what almsgiving is. And here is God's guarantee. It is in Proverbs 18, verse 17, it says this, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deeds. This is God's guarantee. If you will give to the poor, I will fill your hands with what you just turned loose of. How many of you ever laid awake at night and I ah, wish I'd never bought that poor guy's lunch? You lay around thinking about that? Some of you said, ah, I'm so sorry, I dropped those few pennies in McDonald's that says for McDonald's house. I'm sure you lay awake at night and oh, I wish I hadn't done that. No, what you did was when you released it to the poor, you forgot about it, but God didn't. And I want to tell you something good that comes out of that. God says that whatever you release, I will give back to you. In Proverbs 28 27, he says, Whoever gives to the poor will not want. My grandmother, when I was a kid, we lived next to the railroad tracks and we used to have what was called bums that would come up and down the railroad track and I don't know how they knew where her house was. She was about the fourth, fifth house up the way but it was like a radar or an arrow that pointed if you'll go to that house, that old lady that lives there will feed you. She had nothing but she never denied anybody that was poor. They'd knock on the door, she'd have them set on the porch and she'd cook them a hot meal and send them on their way. And because that she gave, she never lacked. She always had something else to give to the next person that showed up. Always had enough for her nine siblings, nine kids that she raised in an alcoholic's home. God always had enough to stretch what she released. But I want to talk to you about the third part of the message, and this is why I came today. I want to talk to you today about free will offerings, because Tithing guarantees that what I have, God will watch over and protect. If I will steward what God puts in my hands, He is putting me in a position to where I can be more than a tither, I become a giver. My daddy said this. He said, "There is no doubt God's going to fill your bucket, but it's your responsibility to fill the holes. Easy, come, easy go. Does not work in the kingdom. Why wisdom in finance will bring blessing into your life if you'll stop the hole, stop the waste. So free will offerings. So so the so tithing is a guarantee, and God said in in giving alms that we're giving it to Him, and He said I'm not going to be a debtor to any man. I will repay whatever you do for the poor. That's God's guarantee. Again in Psalms, and I didn't put it in my notes, and please forgive me, but it is in there. The scripture says that if we tend to the poor, that God will be my nurse when I'm sick. That's a pretty good nurse. you ever wonder why Sister Teresa didn't die of all the diseases that they had in India? She cared for the poor, gave them decent burials. I visited one of her healing houses or places of death, and they would come around and people that were just skin and bones. And, say, and I asked the question, why, why do they do this? And said, Sister Teresa believes that every person should die with dignity. It's the armpit of the world. It's one of the sickest places on the planet. And Mother Teresa lived there and served her life taking care of the poor, And she never lacked and she never got the diseases. So I want to talk about offerings. What does offerings do? It's one thing to have God guard it; It's another thing to have God replace it. But there is a kingdom principle that I learned that I want to share with you and that's offerings. Because free will offerings, offerings that I give joyfully that I give to the Lord. Brings multiplication. I don't know about you. He didn't say addition. He said multiplication. Now I want to remind you. My life verse is this. Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things. And he's talking about natural things. Food, clothing, and shelter. All these things shall be added unto you. I told you that there's some things that you're not going to have to seek. Because... They're coming toward you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. They're following me now. Because that I seek first the kingdom of God, housing and clothing and food are seeking me. Because God said they would be added to me. But I want multiplication. I want to be able to be a blessing, not just to the poor, but I want to have more than my needs met deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 17 and 18 says beware lest you say in your heart my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth you shall remember the lord your god for it is he who gives you power to get wealth how does god give you power to get wealth I don't have a time to, to teach you a lot on this stuff, but there's seven seven ways God can get money to you. But I'm here to tell you that you don't pay you don't pay. My mind's racing. You don't play you don't pay someone who is a cashier what you pay a brain surgeon? What's the difference? The difference is because of what they know. You are paid for what you know. The Bible says wisdom will always have wealth. And I just want to tell you that it is God who gives you power to gain wealth. Now, Never sow without expecting a harvest. So when we're giving a free will offering, we're sowing so that we can schedule a harvest. I bought into this when I was when I was a teenager. Before I got into the ministry, I was I was giving whatever money I had to different missions works. I was giving it to different ministers that would come. I would help people that I felt like needed help in my. Limited ways. When when my wife and I gave a $1,000 to this building, it wasn't because God was trying to get you out of debt. That's part of the reason why we gave, but we invested because we are believing that God is going to help us with other areas of ministry, not for our own consumption, but for the kingdom of God. So we sowed here, believing that there's a harvest that's going to be out there. I've always been an early investor in people. I'm going to talk to you about investing in people uh, three or four different ways. Talking about kingdom investments. Early investor in people. I had a girl in my church that, that writes tremendous worship songs. And I saw God's hand on her life, and I was the first person to come to her. And I said, I want to give you money toward your first album to get this album out because I believe that God's blessing is on your music When a young student says, I want to go on a missions trip, I was the first one to go to that mission student and say, I want to help you make your trip. I'm investing in them before and I like to be a first investor. I don't like to sow after somebody else has sowed here. I was the first here. Hallelujah. Praise God. I was laying in my bed we had reached a young man by the name of Dan. he had come to SUBB to go to college, in the East, and the only reason he came was so he'd have a place to sleep and food to eat. He wasn't there for an education. He started coming to our church. He was legally blind, which means he could not drive. He gets saved. He gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. He becomes family in our church family. And, I, and, and God said to me, when Dan came to me and said, God has called me to preach, knowing his condition, I said, I've, I've, I, we've got to do something to help him. And God said, no, you're going to help him. He said, I want you to pay for his first year of education. You've got to understand something. If you know my son, Jason, he has married an 18-year-old kid. He is, does not have a job. He's washing cars. He's going to school at Central Bible College. And she's working at a at a bank, and they're just skimming it, they're just getting by week by week, and God's telling me to pay for another kid in my church's first year of education, and my son don't have any money, and I'm I, I can't help him because God told me, you help Dan. I'm gonna tell you when you when you when you obey God, don't think the devil's not gonna come against what you've done out of obedience. And all the way home, I took Dan up there, checked him in, and drove four four hours back to be being all the way back, the devil all he could say in my ear was, "What a dad you are! You're investing in a kid, and your son's sitting up there with a wife, and they're just getting by." Why don't you help your own son? You're a sorry dad. About four or five weeks later, my secretary calls me up in the church and she says, Brother Dorsey, somebody put a $6,000 check in the offering for your son's schooling. I said, Cheryl, go back and look. It can't be $6,000. It's got to be $600. She said, now you got me doubting myself. And she went back and looked and she said, Brother Dorsey, it's not $600, it is 6000 And a couple of weeks later, there was a $2,000 check put in there for my son's education. I'm talking about multiplication, that when you obey God, He's setting you up for a harvest to help get you out of your debt and out of your bind. Sowing in people. What about our home? I was 45 years old before I ever made a payment on a house. By the way, let me give you a definition for debt. Debt is paying for the right to pretend you own something you don't own. Sorry. 45 years old, and there's so many stories I could tell you about that, even... But I'll, I'll try to be brief. My wife and I bought this piece of ground. God supernaturally gave us means because we gave to missionaries <clears throat> to do some things that needed to be done. And I'm sitting in North Little Rock First Assembly, and Jesse Duplantis, if you know, watched him on television, is uh, challenging us, and he said, if you'll help me build God's house, God will help you build yours. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to put you to a test. And I turned to my wife and I wrote a check. We wrote a check for $100. That's not very much. But that's about all we can handle. And I said, we're going to believe God. It's about a week later, a thought came to my mind. Why don't you call the bank and see if they want lower the interest, put it on a bi-monthly payment. My house was mortgaged for 30 years. So I set up an appointment to go talk to the banker, walked in, sat down in front of him, and Pastor, you know what he told me? He said, I don't know how you got this loan to start with. I said, what do you mean? He said, according to our figures, you should never have gotten the loan on this house that you got in the first place, and you're asking me to lower it? I said, have I ever missed a payment? He said, no. I said, have I ever been late? He said, no. I said, what's your problem? He said, we just don't do that. Went back home a couple of weeks later. The wife said, hey, you know, they sold that mortgage to another lender and said, why don't I call them and see if they won't do something about that note? I said, okay, ask them to lower the interest, give us a bi-monthly payment, put it on a 15-year note instead of a 30-year. She called them up, gave them that proposition. They said, yeah, we'll lower the interest. We'll cut it to 15 years. We'll put it on a bi-monthly payment and said... I said, she said, how much will it cost? They said, $300. She said, what do you think? I said, are you crazy? Pay the $300. Here's what happened out of that offering because I believe God. Listen, this is real money. This is not make-believe. This is not pretense. I figured it out. God saved us $173,280 going from a 30-year note because when we went by monthly, the 15-year note paid off in 11 years. You help me build your house, my house, I'll help you build yours. What was God doing? God was saying, I'm getting ready to help you get into something you've never been in in your life. If you'll just trust me, if you'll believe that I'm a God that's for you, I will show you wisdom that you don't even have. I'm not a, I'm not a financier. I'm not smart. those there is. But God has allowed me to stumble and stagger and fall into so many blessings because I understand the principle that if I sow multiplication takes place, only after I've tied, tithed, and given to the poor. We're building a building, and I'm driving an old S ten four-cylinder, aluminum block truck. And I said, God, I need a new truck, but I'm going to give that new truck to you. I'm going to make payments that I'd be making on a truck, and I'm going to put it in the building fund. And so we started making that payment. Remember, the the devil's going to challenge your faith. And about six months, eight months into that assignment, my son and I are sitting on the side of the road with a broke down block that had blowed up. And I got out of that car and my son and I started walking toward the exit and I said, devil, if I have to walk to church, I'm going to keep giving God what I told him I'd give him. Replace that engine. It was ready to blow up. It happened to be the 20th year that we was pastoring in that church. And on a day about like today, about this time of the year, we're having a burger fry after church. And pulling around behind the parsonage was a brand new Chevrolet four-wheel drive truck that they pulled up and said, "This is pastor appreciation day for you, pastor." Here's the word, though. As long as we owed money on that building, we never stopped making a truck payment. And God gave me a truck anyway. Well, pardon me for being so blessed. Y'all are looking at me like, I'm not bragging about Glenn Dorsey. I'm trying to teach you a principle that when you sow, there will be multiplication. I'm trying to take the shorter route this principle operated over into the church once a year we had what we called a fast day and we would come to church at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning have Sunday school and church and not go home till 6 o'clock we'd feed the kids but the adults would fast we did that every year it was one of the highlights of the year we'd have water baptisms we'd pray for the sick we'd just get up read chapters from the bible we'd pray we'd sing we'd pray for people that didn't have the holy spirit i mean we just followed god it was just a free-flowing day you'd think what are we going to do well we always never ran short on the time so Holy Spirit said, have everybody bring whatever they need from God and lay it across the platform. And at a certain time in the fast day, when I tell you to, I want you to pick those things up and pray for them. The instruction was, if you want a baby and you can't have one, bring a baby. If you need a house and you don't have one, bring a house key. If you're taking medication that you want to get off of, bring your pill bottle. If you need a car, bring your car key. Whatever it is that you need, bring it, and we'll, we'll, we're going to see what God does. <clears throat> well, this is an unusual testimony, but it's
1: mine. I'm talking about the church practicing this principle. So, <clears throat> I'm walking along there, and I pick up these car keys, and just
0: start burning with the anointing on me. And I hear myself say, God is going to bless this church with cars that we did not pay for and if we buy them, we'll buy them so cheap we're ashamed to tell people what we paid for and I'm not talking
1: about old cars. just kept going. What had happened about a year before that was there was a lady from India that was a missionary
0: and she had a ministry, a Bible school, and also a Botek school, and, there was, and she had ministry to the poor, and she, she brought in the children of lepers and would give them Bible teaching and feed them. And when she came, while she's talking, the Holy Spirit said, have your church buy her a van. Well, we'd never done anything like that. Just so happened we did have enough money that day.
1: Would you open that bottle for me, the one on the end? So,
0: what happened was we bought that lady a van that day. Thank you, Pastor.
1: We bought her a van, forgot about it. A year later, that word comes on me. And
0: within a week, testimony started coming into the church.
1: Now, this has been probably now over... How long, Mom? Ten years? I stopped counting that 29 cars. You have to understand that I pastored a church where the average income was $19,000 a person. It was not a wealthy church. A church of about 300 people or better. And
0: We started getting cars, and I said, this is embarrassing. If people walked up to me and said, Pastor, what God's doing in your church? I'd like to say, well, we had 100 saved last year. But my testimony is God's given us cars. That sounds carnal. But how would you feel if you was one of of the recipients that worked in Little Rock, driving back and forth, commuting every day, racking up miles on a car just so you could go buy another one at the end of
1: four years, to have a car given to you? So I'm sitting on the platform
0: and this same woman that we bought the van for has come and she's an apostle Paul in flesh. I mean, the woman has got some of the most outrageous miracles I've ever heard in my life. I've been to her school two or three times in India, did ministry there. And and she's standing down front and she's,
1: she's praying for people. And I'm sitting on the platform and I start shaking violently, weeping. Because God has given me an instruction, and it's crazy.
0: It don't go, It doesn't fit any, any standard of stewardship whatsoever. And I want to be right, and I want to be accountable. So I called the board up to the platform, and I said, guys, God has told me to do something. And I said, I'm going to be accountable to you because I don't want to spew out something that's going to create problems in this church. And they said, well, Pastor, what is it? I said, God spoke to me. I believe God spoke to me and said that if we would tithe on our indebtedness, he would pay off the church and families that cooperated, he would get them out of debt. And one of them immediately spoke up and said, well, pastor, if God told you that, we don't have any choice but to do it.
1: I said, you don't understand. We ain't got the money to tithe on it. We got to make payments on the tithing.
0: They said, it don't make any difference. If God told you to do it, let's do it.
1: So that morning, when she got through praying for everybody, I stood up and challenged them. And I said, if you believe that God will get this church out
0: of debt and that God is big enough to get your family out of debt, if you'll tithe
1: on your indebtedness, God told me to tell you he'll get you out of debt. This is what God did in three years. By the
0: way, that morning, $48,000 in cash. They didn't even have any warning
1: it was coming. I didn't have any warning. They just brought money and laid it up there. And we made payments on the church debt. And families as well. And gave it to that woman. We didn't keep it. In three years' time, this is what God did. He
0: paid off our building. We added five commercial acres to the property that we owned. We, bought, we built a brand-new missions house and furnished it so that all a missionary had to do was come and live in the house. All he had to do was bring his clothes. We mowed the grass. They had everything in the house supplied. All they had to do was just come and built a brand-new parsonage for an associate pastor to live in within a three-year period. And I'm here to tell you, friend, it took my breath, and people in the church, God brought families out of debt. I never kept track of how many of them that happened,
1: but one of them was me. Pastor, White, the longer I talk, the quieter they get.
0: I notice they think, man, he's just going on and on. Well, I'm, I'm telling you what God has taught me over a lifetime. You can walk on it. You can say God did it for him, but he won't do it for me. If you do, you got a wrong concept of God because the Word says he's not a respecter of person. I'm challenging you to trust God. Start small. You don't have to start big. Trust him. Just do something systematically. Sacrificially do it when God tells you to do it. Don't just do it out of stupidity. Give when God stirs you to give. But understand that when God stirs you to give that he's setting up a harvest of blessing to take care. Here's what I've done. Through the years I had
1: an investment in uh, what was it we had money in mom?
0: Uh, I think it was Lincoln or somebody and They'd invest our money,
1: whatever, and it was in there for 15 years. And after 15 years of them using my money, Pastor, it came out even. And I said, okay, God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to
0: start putting my money in the kingdom of God and see what kind of dividends you pay. Never even thought of it until later, the Word of God came to me at least in two places in your New Testament in the four Gospels that says that whenever anyone gives, He said, I will return to you 30, 60, and 100 fold. And I stand before you today to tell you with reckless abandon that God owes me nothing. And
1: to tell you that God has blessed me more than I deserve. I'm not a money investor. I'm not a financial czar.
0: But we have given as a family into the kingdom of God. He has gotten us out of debt. He has blessed our ministry. He has blessed our health. He has made us a blessing to others and there's nothing in this world that feels better.
1: Than knowing that you made a difference in somebody else's life. Nothing. Something changed in my ministry in that 33 years, and with this, I'm done. When we built that sanctuary, we financed it for 20 years. You would seat 750 people. And it took us all 20 years to build it. I mean, to to pay it off. So I'm about two years away from resigning the church. And they say, Pastor, we need a family life center out here. And I said, here's the condition. See, you choose the level. You choose the level that you live at in the kingdom principle of sowing and reaping. It took us 20
0: years to pay off that note on the auditorium. And I said, you're talking about a building that's going to cost over $2 million. And you've got an old man for a pastor and I said, I'm not going to get you in debt and walk off and
1: leave you in that kind of indebtedness. If we build this building, we will build it debt-free.
0: We will raise the money and build it as we get money. The difference was, I was a young man when I built that sanctuary and borrowed the money. Now I'm an old man that God has put into the kingdom of learning, sowing, and reaping. And the people have
1: learned that. And within two years' time, we built that building, and it's still not finished. they like
0: about $100,000 having it completed. But in four years' time, rather, with an average income of $19,000 a person,
1: God supernaturally provided $1.2 million. Well, pardon me.
0: That's my story and I'm sticking to it. How big is your God? How big are you going to allow Him to be? Do you want to know how I know that God exists? One of the greatest ways that I know that God exists is that when I give and He gives back. It's when I sow and He multiplies, not just adds to me. One of the ways that I know is I don't
1: ask God for money. I give to get money. So I'm challenging you today to change your concept
0: of God. God is not against you. God is for you. And already this pastor has taught you <coughs> the importance
1: of tithing and blessing the poor and it's always going to come back to you but God brought me by here today to encourage you to believe him that regardless of what your family tells you there is blessing and there are rooms that God has for you to walk into that has your name on it that depends on one thing. Do you love to give? Because the key to the kingdom is love. And he said, one of two things happens. You will either love mammon, which is money, or you will love God will love one and despise the other.
0: When you start talking about money, most people start thinking, "Ah, it's all preachers ever talk about money." I'm not talking about I'm not talking about somebody else's story. I'm talking about a kid that was raised up in church that God taught me the difference between the king and the kingdom principles. That if I will follow the principles of the kingdom,
1: blessings will follow because God says I want to bless you and not curse you.